Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Senior Living Today. With so many options available in senior living, deciding what type of community and care level is best for you or your loved one can be overwhelming and even confusing. Over the next few weeks, we will be diving into all the different care levels available in senior living communities, including the differences between them, what they include, and how to determine which one is right for your situation. Today, I'm joined by Tony Berardi and Melissa Todd, and we'll be diving into independent living in senior living communities. Thank you both for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Alexandria. So let's start with the basics. What is a senior living community, and is there a specific age someone has to be to move in? So a senior living community is a space that has multi-levels of care that allows seniors to move onto the campus and experience a different kind of lifestyle where they're with like-minded people, more age-appropriate people with programming specific to their wants and needs. Is there an age limit? Yes, we usually um, have an age limit of 55 and older uh, for people to move onto the campus. So let's talk about independent living now. Um, So who would that be right for? Like what services are included? Um, What is independent living? So independent living is almost no different than living in a house in the community or in an apartment building downtown. As far as the type of people who should move into it are the type of people who can thrive in those scenarios where they can care for themselves. They usually still drive or have the ability to get around to where they need to be. What services are included? In a villa or in the apartment, we take care of the structure. We take care of all the, you know, anything that can go wrong with the HVAC or the gutters, the roof, anything like that. And we also take care of the grounds. There are on-campus dining options available for independent living residents. And I think the other really big service is the lifestyle that is Uh, offered to them. So they have a great place to sleep. They have great neighbors and friends. And then there's opportunities for them to get involved in all kinds of different activities or events on campus. So independent living is really good for someone who can still care for themselves, but might want that socialization, that lifestyle opportunity, or that maintenance-free living. Yes, where they don't have to worry about the neighbor kid remembering to cut the grass. (laughs) Uh, So what type of units are usually available in independent living? I heard you mention apartments, villas. Melissa, what kind of um, units are offered normally? Yeah, exactly. So those are the two different areas or types of independent living options that we have on our campus. So the villas uh, versus the apartments offer kind of two different paths for independence and what that looks like. Um, On all three campuses, we have unique sizes of villas. Um, They're single-story structures. Uh, Like Tony said, you know, we're handling all the maintenance-free living lifestyle. Um, In either apartment or villa, it's it's a lot of freedom. You know, you still come and go at your own discretion. You're still making your daily routine, but it's the access. So if you want a more private and uh, intimate villa, maybe that neighborhood is more favorable for you. Or if you really like being in the middle of all the action, maybe being in one of our apartments would be preferred. That way you can come right outside your door and head down the hallway right into those common spaces that provide that socialization. Either the independent living apartments or the villas both provide two of the main things we're trying to offer to our community members, 
which is safety, um, but also socialization. And are utilities included with the villas and apartments in independent living? You know, that's going to be unique to each of our campuses at Western Reserve, whether you're in one of our villa homes or one of our apartment homes, all of your utilities are included. And I would assume that the providers change amongst Western Reserve, Browning, Masonic community, and also Springfield. But it does make that month-to-month payment of bills and utilities really easy because a lot of our campuses combine it into part of your monthly rent fee. Water, basic cable, internet, gas, electric, all the utilities you can think of are typically or partially bundled you know, into one of our villas or apartment homes. So what other amenities are available in independent living? Well, like kind of Melissa said about the utilities, it's going to be a little different campus by campus because each of us have some different offerings. Um, like here at SMC, we have a billiards room that has uh, two different pool tables. It has a shuffleboard table. Um, we have a handicap accessible dartboard. Um, we have a clubhouse, which is a large gathering space where we have many different events. It has an outdoor grill that we have cookouts at and uh, residents can have events at. They can have their families in. Um, We have all kinds of different activities that are led by residents, like there's art classes in our creative arts room. Um, There's sewing in our sewing room and knitting in the sewing room. And then we also have a uh, resident painter who holds um, painting classes in the uh, painting room. Um, Then we also have a wood shop where you can go and still create uh, different knickknacks or bookends or bookcases pieces of furniture in our in our fully functioning and and well-equipped uh, woodshop here on campus. We've talked about that both Springfield Masonic Community and Western Reserve Masonic Community are CCRCs. Um, for those in our audience listening who might not know what that acronym means, it means it's a continuing care retirement community. Uh, what is the difference between a CCRC and 55 and older rental communities, because I know that's something that is available in the senior living space and might be a little confusing when somebody's starting to look for independent living. And, you know, that's a very good question, because a lot of times when people want to start to look to find a what we'll call community, they'll go to those 55 and older rental communities. And what they what they're not realizing is what they are looking at is one small portion of what a CCRC has to offer. Yes, they may have a community space where there may be some uh, opportunity to have get togethers and maybe they have a a structured, you know, uh, get to know your neighbor night or something like that. But the full benefit of having a CCRC where we have specialized programs that cover all the different levels of care and bring the whole community together. There's also the safety of knowing if something were to happen or as I age in place, I don't have to leave that campus. Yes, I may have to transition through the different levels of care. I may have to go from independent living to assisted living, but it's all on the same campus. Maybe a different building, maybe a different floor, but it's all on the same campus. My friends are still here. The things I like to do are still there. And if something happens and I need rehab, that's right on that same campus. And then should something happen and me or my spouse need long-term care, well, one of us could go to long-term care and one of us could still be an independent living. One of us could still be an assisted living. So it gives you an opportunity to have the needs met 
for, you know, if it's a couple, both spouses, or as an individual, you know, right there all on the same spot. You don't have to worry about where you're going to go. If you move into a 55 or older rental community, then you're usually bound by things like a lease where we don't bind you with the lease here. There's no lease term for our agreements, but also should something happen or as you age in place, as all of us will do, you then have to figure out how you're going to make that next move and then find another place to go where when you come to a CCRC, you've made that decision for all your next levels of care and it takes the worry from you and your family. Yeah, so it gives you that peace of mind and security that as your needs change, you can move through the community rather than having to search and find somewhere else to move to. Yep. I think uh, the question that I get a lot when families call in and, you know, this is their first call and they just spoke with a 55 and older rental style community. You know, it's ironic that they ask, you know, I think I'm looking for the leasing manager. And here in a senior living community, you know, we have senior advisors or sales counselors because we have all these different departments that break down far more than just a leasing manager or someone that you call when there's a maintenance request. We have life enrichment directors uh, who are in charge of coordinating the programs in the common spaces. Um, They're in charge of engaging you when you first move in. Um, I just don't see that same experience when you move into a 55 and older, and it just gets more and more in depth from there. You know, you get to meet the physical therapy team or the fitness director who runs all of the exercise classes. You get to meet the housekeepers. You get to meet someone from the resource center if you are in need of connecting to different services. So they're just so extremely different. But I think when we start naming the different departments and we start sharing the different people that their family or loved one is going to get to connect with, it's more than just a leasing office. So I think one of the confusing pieces of searching for a senior living community is knowing the difference between independent living and assisted living and do does my loved one need assisted living or do they really qualify for independent living? So, Melissa, how would you walk someone through that process of deciding what is the right care level for them? Oh, yeah, that is one of the most common questions that I have when someone calls in. Um, And I typically kind of turn it around and ask, you know, what does your loved one's day to day life look like from the time that they get up in the morning to the time that they go to bed? What does it look like? And in learning that day to day experience, um, I can kind of help them define what being independent looks like or start to identify some of those areas that they're maybe needing a little bit of help in. Um, and then through that, you know, for example, maybe mom can cook, but does she want to cook? Those would be two different conversations. And I can kind of help guide families or that senior Uh, to the services specifically around meals in independent living, having the freedom to wake up and not want to cook and going down to a common dining room or restaurant versus an assisted living, maybe someone can't cook or shouldn't cook due to a safety concern. And I can explain that good thing assisted living includes meal prep and programs for them to come down to daily, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Um, So I have to really pinpoint the different parts of someone's day, whether it is, you know, making breakfast or whether it's 
how they go out and about each day to shopping, to the bank, to their churches, to social gatherings. Um, we really layer this conversation and help the families define what their loved one's looking for before we make a suggestion on whether independent living or assisted living would benefit them most. So that discovery process with the prospecting family is extremely important in determining what care level would be right for them. Oh, absolutely. And I always joke with families, the more you can tell me, the more I can help you. Um, because the transparency piece of that conversation is so important so I can help them on the right path. So what are some questions that they should be asking when searching for independent living and comparing different senior living communities? I think one of the first things they need to ask is, um, you know, what is a typical day like for an independent living resident? Because it goes back to, you know, kind of like Melissa was talking about, about that discovery. When you learn about what a typical day is like for you know, uh, a resident, then they can start to picture their loved one uh, living that out. And it may help them identify whether or not they can or cannot um, be an independent living. Um, I think some of the other questions are, you know, what, what happens when something is a problem? How do we move to that next uh, level of care? Or what do we do if there's something on a short-term basis that we need to look at? So like if, you know, my, if my mom uh, moves into independent living and she has an illness, how does that process flow? Because understanding all that stuff when it's not urgent will make the uh, process a lot smoother when it is urgent. Because when something's urgent or there's been an accident or something like that that you have to attend to, then it, it's a lot harder to kind of process all the details. Because unfortunately, moving throughout a healthcare system, there is some you know little bumps in the road, understanding insurance coverages and things like that that have to be uh, you know, talked about, and uh, it's easier to gain an understanding of what to expect in those situations ahead of time than it is to try to take it all in, you know, at that at that time. Um, I think some of the other things to ask are about, you know, the the lifestyle of the community. Um, you know, show me the calendars. What do your calendars look like? How does my mom get involved? How does my dad get involved? You know, what opportunities are there to get them more involved? Because some of the times they're looking for their mom and dad and they think to themselves, well, you know, they don't really do much at home because they don't have the availability. So if they come here, we all know that, you know, human nature is to kind of do what we've always done. And how would they how are they going to be, um, you know, welcomed into the community, brought into community and brought into those uh, different amenities and different activities on the campus? To, to allow them to have that choice to participate or not. I think one thing you brought up that's kind of interesting in senior living, something we hear a lot with independent living specifically is that, you know, there might not necessarily be a care need for somebody to move in. So why would I move in before I need to move into a community? So can you touch on that and kind of why it might make sense to move before someone thinks they're ready to or that they have a need to? Oh, Absolutely. Um, it's always better to move when you want than when you have to. So if you are active and, and able and willing to participate, you want to come in right now and enjoy all those great things that the, the community has to offer. If you wait to the point where you have to move in, you're probably not going to be able to partake in all those things right away. So you may as well come in now and be a part of it and understand the culture, understand the lifestyle and 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 be a part of the community 
and live your life, you know, every day knowing that you're part of something and you can or cannot partake in whatever you want to and knowing that you have the safety and security that should something happen, everybody there is is willing to help me and, and get me taken care of. So now let's talk a little bit about the moving process. Um, Melissa, is this something where residents would be able to bring in their own belongings? Um, do they furnish their own apartments? What is that like in independent living? In independent living, we absolutely have all of the apartments and villa sizes where someone is furnishing their own space. Um, so that would be one of the similarities from another rental type property in senior living, specifically in independent living, all of the apartments or the villas come with your basic appliances. So you are still bringing that favorite comfy chair or that artwork piece that's in your hallway or that family photo album. Every little detail as what makes your home currently the way it looks and feels is going to be replicated in your new space. So the moving process I've seen go a couple different ways. Either there are some very definitive objects, pieces of furniture, or things that are coming, um, which is great. And I can talk about those things with families and help them decide where that uh, picture is going to go or where that end table would look best. But for some folks, too, um, when they're making an environment change, I think it's an opportunity for them to maybe get a couple new things. Um, maybe that bed and mattress is 30 years old. And this is the perfect uh, move to buy something new or recreate a space that uh, maybe is a sewing room or a craft room that they wanna redesign because they've always wanted to. They have this blank canvas to work with, but personalizing it, hanging pictures, adding decor, adding all the things that make a home a home is exactly what we're asking people to do. And, and we allow it. There are no restrictions. So that's always exciting when I get to share with a family that they get to, to bring everything that's important to them with them. So speaking of bringing everything that's important to them with them, another common question we get is pets. Are they allowed to come? And I know this might vary from senior living community to senior living community, but what is our policy on pets? Across our three uh, Ohio Masonic communities, we are pet friendly, um, especially in independent living. Our furry friends are just like family, and we know that. So, you know, they are able to come as well. Um, and we have plenty of acreage on all three of our campuses to go for long walks with dogs or a lot of scenic and uh, nature type views for a lot of cats to be peeking out windows at the, the birds that fly by or the deer in the, the field. So cats and dogs are welcome. I once had someone bring a bird as well, so I don't want to limit it to just furry friends, but maybe furry and feathered friends are included in that uh, pet option for us. So we've talked about a lot of the benefits of moving into independent living, specifically the socialization, the ability to join groups um, with people who share common interests with you. Uh, are there any other benefits of moving into independent living that you guys would like to touch on? I think some of the benefits are the experiences that you can have that you wouldn't be exposed to living at home. Um, for instance, just a, a couple of weeks ago, we had a group of residents go zip lining, organized by a resident. Um, we had nine residents go and they went zip lining 
at the top of some very tall trees. And, you know, that's an experience that all of us could obviously decide one day we're going to go do. But at a, at a facility, those are the kind of things that get organized um, almost on a regular basis. And it, it's an opportunity that you probably wouldn't come across or even think of sitting at home. Um, some people have never painted a landscape portrait in their life. And then one day maybe sitting around and seeing an ad or the flyer for the art class, and they may decide to pick up a new hobby. So I think it's the fact that there's a, a large melting pot of, of people's hobbies and activities and, and all the things they're good at. And we allow them to express it here. And by allowing them to express it, it allows other residents to try a new experience that they've not had in their lifetime. And they may find out that they're really good at something uh, now that they weren't before, or they may find out that they're really good at something that man, they wish they knew back in their twenties, because that could have been, you know, a, a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah, hobby that they needed to tap into sooner. Um, some of the benefits that I get to witness firsthand when I watch a family or a new community member move in is just their purpose be re-sparked. You know, a lot of folks, they, they've raised families, they've worked, they've moved, they've traveled, and we have to promote that independent living is still looking for the purpose in each day and something to look forward to. Um, so the benefit of moving into an independent living campus is, you know, continuing to build friendships. I think as we get older, we see our circle of friends get smaller and more intimate. And that and that's wonderful. Um, we've gravitated towards a group of folks with similar interests or hobbies. Um, but moving onto a community with a number of people that have those same interests or hobbies allows them to make a new friendship and build a new relationship at any age, but also tap into, you know, what gives them purpose because we're humans and, and we need that drive. We need something to look forward to each day, each month, each week. Um, and doing that is so much easier when you're on a campus with folks that are also eager to do that. Well, I want to thank you both again for joining me today. Uh, in our next episode, we will be diving into assisted living. So please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss our four-part series. Thank you again for listening, and we will be back again in two weeks. Mm -hmm.